Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. Super Movie Brothers. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. And this week, we got some movie news to go over with you. Some big movie news. One conversation that will probably dominate most of our news segment. And we got a brand new top five. It's going to be our top five director's cuts. Just recuts of movies that actually wind up being better than the original theatrical cut. But before we get into that, me and Jay are going to get into What Are You Watching? What Are You Watching? So, Jay, what you get down to watching this week? Uh, well, you know, I, I don't know if you heard, but Lynn Shelton, uh, she was a beloved little indie darling writer and director. Uh, she passed away suddenly. Why don't you just assume that and I'm like everybody else in America and I have no fucking clue who that is? You and your little suspender-wearing, square-frame glasses, mustache well, curled up. the news. And your bourbon neats. Like, you mm. guys know who that is. Jay, I watched the news. I didn't see it on the news. Okay. My <laughs> so, bad. Your news. It was on your I'm news. I'm actually news. not even a big fan of her, to be honest. Um, Jesus Christ. Show some respect. She's dead, man. Well, I'm just saying, I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, I mean, she's done a lot of like couple episodes on a lot of quality TV shows, you know. She's but as far as her filmmaking, um, like I saw, I rewatched Laggies, so that's the one movie of hers that I saw uh, most recently. But I previously have seen like Your Sister's Sister. Um, she's done Hump Day, and most recently with um, Mark Maron is actually her boyfriend right now, but. They met on the her most recent movie that she did. I'm sorry, is Mark, um, Mark Maron's her boyfriend right now? Well, Mark Mar- was Mark Maron's dead yeah. too. No, God, I'm it's sorry. a tragedy. Mark Maron, no. <laughs> Sword of Trust. So that <laughs> movie is playing currently on Showtime. Um, I hear decent reviews about it, but it doesn't really spark any kind of interest. But she's done a lot of things recently. Um, like the morning show, she did one episode, uh, the hit series on Hulu, little fires everywhere. She did four episodes on there. Did you watch anything um, this weekend by her that we're going to be discussing or is this something just, you're saving no, for I news? I did. I mentioned laggies. I, I saw laggies oh, okay. and it was a, it's another classic Kira Knightley movie trying to play American who just doesn't get away with it. <laughs> All right. She, she, I just don't care for her. I've never heard of this movie, so we're going to take ourselves over into a Jay's Indie Corner. So over here in Jay's Indie Corner, I like to do a thing where Jay tells me the name, just just the name of his indie film, and I come up with a fake synopsis for it based on name alone, and then Jay tells us what it's actually about, and we see how close I am. So when I hear the name Laggy, or Laggies, right? It's, it's called Laggies. Yep, Laggies. So what I picture is this is about a, a group of people who are how do i how do i put this and make it sound tasteful 
handy capable and they all drink at the same bar and the bar's called laggies huh. and it's kind of like cheers it kind of does sound like a bar name but 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 for handy capable individuals and you know it what, what really starts out as a film that you think is going to be poking fun of handicapped people and stuff like that turns out that they are just like every other person all the same struggles that you and i go through with the added problem of lack of mobility and of course the bar our owner Laggy is the one who they all come and dump their dump their stories on and their, and their issues and stuff. And it's a series of vignettes of all these handy capable individuals coming in and having conversations with Laggies about their life and the struggles that they have. And uh, yeah, there we go. How, how close am I? Uh, yeah. I feel like I mean, Laggy is an extremely cruel nickname that uh, this individual's friends gave him way back in college. And I picture he he actually became handy capable because he was uh, doing a keg stand on a balcony and then fell three stories down and you just that's it now i wish i honestly <laughs> wish i knew what the fuck this even title meant you know it's one of those kind of weird things I, I i don't know either i mean laggies does sound like a cheers bar you know name to me it really does it sounds like a corner bar in northeast philly because you want to <laughs> go where everybody knows your name do, 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 do. for better or worse <laughs> <laughs> So this one follows Kieran Knightley, and she is essentially kind of like a going through a quarter-life crisis of sorts. She's living with a long-term boyfriend who she's been with forever, played by my Mark Weber. She is kind of lost. She's spoiled. She kind of grew up in a cushy little household. She's been living with her boyfriend for a long time, and suddenly, you know, everybody's getting married, and her boyfriend was like, um you know, in the weird, awkward, quirky kind of way, like we should get married too. And, and it kind of fucks her up in the head. So she so immaturely runs away and stumbles upon this young girl is like 16 year old girl played by Chloe Grace Moretz her, and her group of friends. Is her name laggy? No. Oh, well, then where does the name come from? Jay? I don't know, Dave. That's why I just said, I don't know. I wish I did. But yeah, and she just sort of befriends her, and they just kind of hang out and shoot the shit, and then suddenly she just goes over her house and hangs out, and then lo and behold, Sam Rockwell plays Chloe Moretz's father, and he's just kind of a you know a single widower lawyer kind of guy, and he's kind of dry humored and 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 not sure exactly what the relationship is between his daughter and the Kira Knightley character, and it's just a little 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 charming meet cute at first and it kind of grows into a, a blossoming relationship of course and and how that kind of just ruffles the feathers of of her relationship with the chloe moretz character and it just kind of goes it's a, it's a it's a life uh it's a life story it's very short it's probably 90 minutes long and it's just too short for its own good it just does not give the characters enough time to breathe and develop because I think as a whole it's got a somewhat of a cliche obviously story but it's got some weight behind it where it could have been a lot more interesting than it actually was and well, I do think Kira Knightley was miscast of course and um, I'm gonna let this podcast breathe and develop and ask you to move on cool please <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I I don't know why you wanted to go into Jay's owner any corner for this one. This I you know I wasn't because you said raving the, about it because you said the name and then 
<laughs> I know. I hear you. I hear you. And then, and then it just came to me. So yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, you got to so, strike when inspiration hits, Jack. You I know? got you. They're not all you. hits. They can't all be hits. Well, this one is a huge hit. This is the only other movie that I saw this week, and it's directed by the late Sidney Lumet. And this one is called "Before the Devil Knows You're Dead." Came out in 2007. It stars Philip Seymour Hoffman, Ethan Hawke, Albert Finney, and Marissa Tomei. Um, this one is visceral. I mean, it's a heavy hitting drama. Follows these two brothers, and it kind of bounces back and forth between this time frame of a robbery that they try and set up, and how it intertwines with their family and their loved ones, and as brothers. And it's just, it's a, it's a. It's a colossal disaster of a storm kind of colliding, and and you and you see all these interwoven threads. So little story, uh, little story. Please tell me you've seen this movie because you have. If you haven't, this is a hundred percent a homework movie for you. <laughs> I I I worked at Blockbuster in two thousand and seven, so yeah, I've seen this movie because um, okay. I got to watch every movie that came out, and I remember like I was one of those people who were like, this came out like on home video at around the time when there was like not really a whole lot on the shelves for people to for people to rent, especially if you're someone who came in on like a weekly basis and was renting movies. So I was like, you know what, this movie's really good. You. you you should get the before the devil knows you're dead. And uh, I had a guy come back and literally like throw the DVD case at me like it was a fucking frisbee, threw it at my head, and was like, "This was fucking garbage. You give me my fucking money back." And like he like he threw it like right at my fucking head. And he's and I wish I could say that this was like the only time that happened. It wasn't. It happened all the time. <laughs> <laughs> or like I, people were like, "Oh yeah, what do you recommend?" And I was like, "The movie. This movie's really good. It's really powerful. You know, there's it's you know great performances, all this stuff. It's a it's a you know it's a it's a great story about about family and stuff and and the guy was like sold I'm, I'm gonna get it and then he goes off and he comes back literally about three hours later and tosses this shit right back in my face and he's like go fuck yourself give me my fucking money back and to reward bad behavior because we'll be talking about rewarding bad behavior uh, a little bit this week he did get his money back so <laughs> mm. i didn't give it to him no uh no uh i i actually had to go home all because he didn't like a movie i had to go home for the day because i started shouting out some choice words for this for this gentleman oh, I'm sure you but, did, <laughs> but uh, I didn't get fired. Uh, but yeah, so the part of the risk of uh, of recommending movies that you really like uh, and then people don't like it is that you might get assaulted. Well, this is a tough one. This is, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a heavy film, and it's not for everybody. Obviously, I mean, this is it touches on a lot of touchy subjects. You know, not just family related stuff, but also, you know, some it's it's fucked up. <laughs> There's some fucked up parts for sure. And there's also, you know, a lot of addiction aspects to it and, you know, unfaithfulness and stuff. I mean, there's a, it touches on a lot of dark areas of, of life and in a, in a visceral type of way, in a very, like, anxiety-inducing kind of way. It's really, it's really unbelievable that Sidney Lament directed this thing at, gosh, I mean, I think he died a year or two after this got uh, released, and he was well into his 80s. And he still kind of directed this with a fever, young, youthful energy, you know, to it. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, my God, I mean, I miss him so much. He was always, he's 100% in the top five, my favorite actors of all time. Right. Um, I've always, always adored Philip Seymour Hoffman. And, you know, I actually cried when he died. Of Like all celebrity deaths, 
of the last whatever five years or something like he by far hit me the hardest and um yeah it's sad it's sad and um you know it kind of is uh this this role is oddly like a weird mirror uh of his own life i suppose but um sounds good all right so it's great it's great yeah definitely check it out if you can it's on hbo right now all right well awesome man yeah philip seymour hoffman was you know absolutely a revelation in his time gone too soon and all that stuff um jay you talked about a lot of dead people this week are you okay buddy everything all right everything going good i'm great okay good. <laughs> i'm really good good, good. good. okay just, this yeah. has actually been a great week for me i'm i'm fantastic dude just uh, just making sure i'm just, good just, i'm good just making sure you know a lot, a lot of death this week it's all i'm saying you know uh, I, you're, it's, you're, it's, it's it's just hollywood death <laughs> not my death nothing in my life <laughs> all right so uh what what i got around to watching this week was i took a trip back and i watched a bunch of dc movies which are all on hbo i showed lauren joker for the first time she mm. she actually liked it i did not expect her to like it i thought she would hate it but she liked it she didn't love it and she admitted that if she saw it in the movie theaters no way would she have finished it she would have been flat out asleep before it ended i found that my experience watching it the second time around was very similar to my experience watching it the first two times that i saw it in the theater so uh no no real improvements or anything like that for me i you know when i watch that movie i'm i'm still i think i gave it like a b minus or a b plus somewhere in that range i'm still there i'm still in the b category it's it's not it's not the revelation that that other people have made it out to be but moving on i also got into watching some new stuff that came to netflix this week first thing that i watched was and i'm super embarrassed to say i watched this i watched the wrong missy that stars Ooh, uh, that sounds rough david spade and david spade is a guy who's he's going on blind dates and he meets the he meets like his ideal woman the perfect woman she's a former miss maryland um and her name is missy and he has an absolutely fantastic date but prior to that he went on a terrible first date with another woman named missy so when the opportunity comes comes for him to go to his company's retreat in Hawaii and he's allowed to bring a guest he's like I'm going to bring that super amazing girl that I had a first date with Missy and I'm going to see what she thinks like they just finished their date he didn't want to be too forward but he figured he'd come out and ask and of course the text message comes back in that she's fucking game and she'll meet him there mm-hmm. and when he gets to the hotel it's the wrong Missy <laughs> He said it. He said it. It's the it's the Missy that he had a terrible date with. She's absolutely batshit insane. Um, and throughout the film, he actually learns to like her kookiness and finds out that there's a lot of heart behind who she is. And the movie was fucking god awful. It was absolute <laughs> fucking trash. I got the poo on me. I couldn't stand watching it. I, I, it was one of those things where it was like, I think Saturday morning was rainy, so I couldn't do yard work. Uh, so I was just like editing the podcast and I was like, I need something to put on, but something that I don't have to pay attention to. And I think like my wife had, was just previously watching an Adam Sandler movie and I was like, all right, why not? I mean, what's what's the worst that happens? I waste I waste some time, but at least I'm being productive in other ways. So I put that on, and I like normally, like I think all throughout COVID, I've been saying like, you know what, the movie's not so bad. It's COVID time, you know, kill some time, watch this movie. Don't don't watch this movie. Mm. Stay away from it. And then I was just looking on Netflix while I was talking. It was it, it's in their top ten right now. That's streaming, and it's like, Stop. fuck, man, we are ouch. We're just a country of morons. <laughs> 
they're running out of stuff. Like they're just gonna watch anything that's new on Netflix. I, I mean, I, I even saw um, like that Michael Mann movie, Public Enemies, uh, the Johnny Depp, Christian Bale, like uh, John Dillinger. You know, yeah, that Prohibition era kind of bank robber type movie. And so and was that. So it was, was that not, awful. That awful yeah. Gerard Butler movie, Den of yeah. Thieves, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. the other one. Uh, and that did really well. Angel, Angel has fallen. Yeah, or, they're all or, on the, all in the top ten. They've been and in they're the not top that great. At some point. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Nope. Um, I did enrich myself. I enriched my mind a little bit. I watched Netflix new series, uh, History One Hundred and One, which takes topics uh, that we are all extremely familiar with and kind of goes a little bit in depth, as in depth as twenty two minutes will allow you to go into into things like fast food, the space race, uh, uh, you know, the rise of China as an economic power, oil, robots, feminism, nuclear power, AIDS, genetics, and like there's it's it's kind of like you know explained but i i do think that because of the runtime they go a little bit deeper into it and they save their their little political message about it until the end they really kind of explain it from a very neutral standpoint and then at the end they they just kind of like pose the moral question about it like is nuclear power as great as they said it was should we be using it blah 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 you know and you got to vote to decide blah blah and then but i i enjoyed it you know i was i i like things like that i like learning about topics that i only have cursory knowledge of and it kind of gives me a little bit more uh insight into it so i thought it was entertaining um and i think if you like explained or you like you you are the type of person that likes to learn a little bit about a subject Mm -hmm. that that's worth your time and then finally i watched lovebirds with kumal najiani now this was a this was a film that was made by paramount pictures and was supposed to come out in the theaters during COVID-19, but, uh, you know, obviously like everything else, it's been canceled. So what wound up happening was Netflix optioned the rights to it and they began streaming it this past Friday. And I got to be honest, man, it is, I, I, I see some good reviews for it. I didn't love it. There, I, I didn't find much to love. In fact, like while I was watching it, all I was doing was like, oh, okay, so this is date night with uh, Tina Fey and Steve Carell. Or, so it's, is it a rom com or is it a comedy or is it like? It is a comedy. It's a hundred percent. It's a straight up comedy. Okay. But there, there are like darker elements. Like uh, I don't think it's spoilers to say like they kind of like break up in the first few minutes of the mo- of the movie. But they still have to go to this dinner date together. But they mm. break up in the car on the way to the dinner date before they get carjacked by a man who then runs another man down on a bicycle and then tries to kill them. Uh, and he used their car to do it. So they see the dead body and they are in their car and the dude who killed this guy has fled so they're like oh my god we're gonna go to jail because like i'm a black woman and you're a not white male so like we're definitely <laughs> going to jail so they, they 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 flee the scene and they set off to solve the mystery of who this man was what he wanted and uh they're, they're trying to to solve all that so that they don't go to jail uh, and that's kind of like where the comedy comes in, where it's like these two people who aren't investigators who know nothing about, you know, doing it are are 
kind of like trying the things that they've seen on TV, all the while while having arguments with each other about their own personalities and what they don't like about each other and how they're happy that they're not together and how all this stuff. So it's it goes back and forth. But while I was watching it, like that's what I kept. I was like, this is date night. This is this is game night. You know, with with uh, it's yeah, it's, but game I've night's seen, way better than all of those other exactly, movies. Exactly, exactly. So it's a formula that I've seen done and done better. So when you put it in front of me and you ask me to not compare it to those, I'm going to compare it to those and then be like, well, I mean, there's there's, there, you know, there's obviously a gold medalist here and and it's not lovebirds. So, (laughs) Uh, but again, uh, like, you know, most movies, is it worth your time? Sure. Come on. Najiani's charming in it. You know, he's, 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 he's still come on Najiani. Like, but it's nothing special, but it's nothing pretty much what you're saying. Yeah. No, I I mean, I got enjoyment even out of like Stuber with him and Dave Batista, right? That's Mm. not a good movie. I would say lovebirds is probably better than Stuber. I can admit that that trailer did make me laugh. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And this trailer, like, watch the trailer. The trailer will make you laugh, but you'll realize that there's not a whole lot of yucks to be had throughout the entire movie. There's there's things here and there, and believe me, it's not a bad way to spend, you know, 90 to 100 minutes, for sure. Uh, It just, it feels like everything else that i've seen in this vein over the past couple of years it's it's very formulaic in that way and that's it man i i watched hollywood on your recommendation actually lauren started watching it and i was around for it and then i started watching it i really enjoyed it i'm not going to talk about it too much other than that i enjoyed it um so thank you for the recommendation jay for yep. for hollywood it's an I, enjoyable film it's an enjoyable little series yeah it, i stayed away from it because i think it's marketing looked extreme. it is completely horrible <laughs> yeah it looks know, extremely flashy it made me think of like a cw show that just happens to yeah. be said in the 1940s That's why i stayed away from it for so long yeah. and then i was finally gave in i was like oh Actually, but, it's pretty pretty good. <laughs> but once I, once I watched it and I understood what they were doing, that uh-huh. it's it's a fantasy version of 1940s Hollywood of ni- or early 1950s Hollywood. This is how you kind of wish things would happen to progress our country along uh, in certain ways t- towards you know certain yeah. civil rights movements. It's a bit and of stuff. a fable, yeah. Right. It's it's definitely a fable. It's definitely wish fulfillment and stuff like that. But. I, I still I still enjoyed it. I thought they they wove a pretty pretty decent tale. So, man, that's it. That's gonna do it for what we were watching this week. Me and Jay are gonna head over before we get into our news, and we're gonna do a brief trailer park because Tenet, the new Christopher Nolan film, which may or may not be coming uh, towards the end of July in theaters, has dropped its second trailer. So, Jay, let's head over and let's get into trailer park. Beat and let the music play. No trailer park. Shout out to Dave and Jay. I don't serve, but there's a newer wave. We've been on since Trust God saved the right stop. I don't wanna flow until I know that the bass drop. Alright, brief trailer park for Tenet. So we got the first trailer, and the first trailer was extremely intriguing, you know? We're we're sure. watching we're watching guys go up buildings, we're seeing time turn backwards, and we're seeing our main character being hooded and dragged off to some secret ship out in the middle of the ocean that's gonna give him a mission. He starts working for some clandestine well, it's very organization. Stylish. And you know, there's not much dialogue. It's very style over substance, and it's a teaser. It's a proper Nolan teaser you know it, it, it is it, it, it got me it got me i was but i was hooked 
from what I saw from that original trailer, I was like, all right, I, I feel like I'm getting some ideas of the story. Obviously, at least I know my main character and this a little bit about like this shady organization and that there is some element of time reversal throughout it. And I was intrigued though, because I was like, all right, kind of like Inception. Like I'm 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 in because I've liked something that he's done in this vein before, but this is different with new with new people, and I'm excited to see that. And then this trailer comes. All I have for you is a word. Tenant. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. Use it carefully. I gather you have an interest in a certain Russian national. Mike's bring me in. You really want to know? He can communicate with the future. Time travel? No. Inversion? Name it and pull the trigger. You're not shooting the bullet. You're catching it. I've seen too much. Well, we'll try and keep up. Well, that from here. Hasn't happened yet. There are people in the future who need us. I need a tenant. We need to save them here and now. This reversing the flow of time. Doesn't us being here now. And it never happened. You want to crash a plane? But not from the air. No one's so dramatic. Well, how big a plane? That part is a little dramatic. It clarifies on a few things, right? It says it's not time travel. It says it's inversion. Inversion, Um, right. But like even like the bio for this film, they use the word protagonist, you know, referring to the John David Washington character, which is very peculiar. There's a lot of peculiar things that just sort of dropped on us when they when they dropped the second trailer because they they, they changed a few things. They changed the fact that they did not release uh, that it's coming out in July. You know, they've changed the the bio of the film. They've they've uh, you know they said it's inversion instead of time travel. It's it's a little bit of this. It's a little bit of that. And you right. know, and the, I, and the I scene don't... that really got me was like he's firing his gun, sure, and the bullets are coming off of the wall and going back into his gun, and she's. Like, like you're catching the bullets and i was like what the fuck what sort of matrix ass shit is this like i i, I don't, still don't get it yeah, yeah I, I was i don't know what i'm signing up for now and it's like i literally have to put my trust in nolan but like in my mind nolan doesn't shit gold right like it it's very possible well, that the ball will the some ball people will, would argue with that <laughs> the ball will drop on him someday he will make a stinker and this to me it's like it, this might be it mm. now this might also be you know fucking brilliant but what really gets me while watching this trailer is now like gone are the ideas of like the story
story that it, the seeds that I felt were being planted in the teaser trailer, you know, that that's all gone. The only the only things I'm picking up on now are preventing World War Three. Maybe people in the future need us. What? And then cars flipping backwards, bullets going back into guns, and it seems like you Dude, know, it's it's going to be a straight up um, anxiety ridden trying to save the world and it's going to have that same type of tension as inception like the last 45 minutes of inception it's going to be this movie that kind of tension induced kind of vibe for a good chunk of it i'm just saying that i'm less interested now but i'm still interested in seeing it i'm less interested but i'm still gonna see it I agree. The second trailer did not make me more interested. Um, it made me more confused, and it also made me a little bit more worrisome of the fear of them showing the the crazy quote unquote inversion action sequences being excessive to the to the extent there were a, of a lot of them. There were a lot I of feel them. like I could be extremely annoyed and bothered by it visually um, if it's done over the top and done excessively too much throughout worry, the movie. I don't worry about that. Um, I, I, I think the visual of it will be fine. Like I don't get motion sickness or anything like that. So it's not it's not really gonna bother me. What's what what may bother me is how the plot uses inversion to kind of undo things that they are done. Like one one of the things I did like about it was I liked that they were kind of using the inversion to comedic effect towards the end when Robert Pattinson is talking about crashing the plane and stuff like that. And he's like, Well, I'm not I'm not gonna crash it from the air. And it's like, fine, but how big of a plane do you need? All right, well, that's the part that's a little ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, so, I mean, like, it seems like they're using inversion in the plot. And as as long as, like, the end of this movie isn't, like, you know, back to the beginning. We just reversed right. everything. <laughs> right. Like, no, fuck you. Don't cheat me out like that. I worry about that with things like time travel where you can reverse time is that anything that happens can be undone. Now, I obviously trust Nolan. Uh, so I trust their writing that it won't be that it won't be that bad. But then again, these are the same writers that gave us uh, Batman needing a a metal brace and a specific knee brace to like for him for his knees to work, and then all of a sudden he's able to climb out of the bat hole. Well, <laughs> Dave, this it. this was so. solely written by Christopher Nolan. Okay, all right. So so I, that's kind of a first, I believe. I don't think he's actually been the sole writer of any of his films. Uh, that I can recall, I thought he's always had a collaborator. It's I'm hard just to pic- say. I'm just picturing Nolan like now going to his brother afterwards with like there's a pile of cocaine on his desk, and he's like, "No, you're just not, you're just not getting it. <laughs> it's not time travel. It's in, it's inversion. It's, it's hey. inversion." <laughs> He, he actually he actually wrote Dunkirk by himself as well. Looks okay. like so. I guess he's done a couple things. <laughs> it's inversion. Damn it! God, God, can't you get it? No. Oh, uh, and then, I'll tell like, you, you know he's on, you know he's experimenting with some LSD and shit. You know oh, for he's sure. got to be for sure. For sure. Uh, that, that's another interesting documentary on on. Uh, I, I think it's on Netflix. Where oh, I would uh, definitely watch that. Where they talk I'm about so L- intrigued by uh, LSD. Talk about LSD and like I, I believe it's the singer Sting is talking about how uh how lsd may not have the answer to the world's problems <laughs> his confession but it's a good start yeah yeah, yeah yeah uh but anyway uh one of the things that has me most worried is like i was reading an interview with robert pattinson where he was like oh i read the script and i had no fucking clue what was going on 
<laughs> and it's like, well, that. But that, it's Christopher Nolan, <laughs> right? Right. No, but I mean, he does. He does wrap that interview up by saying, like, you know, it's Christopher Nolan while yeah. making it. Like, but it, at the it, same it, time, like Robert Pattinson that. fucks with reporters. 95% of the time. So it's he true. is the most unreliable narrator ever. But uh, anyway, the, the but big anyway. thing to discuss <laughs> about the trailer comes at the end when it says coming to theaters. When? No, no, no. We don't know. We don't know. Supposedly, the the last week of, of July, supposedly it was it was being said, we said on the show, we reported on the news that it was going to be the first blockbuster that returns to that, that returns to the theaters, has people butts in seats and stuff like that. But now it's looking like maybe not, or at least they're bring, they're being apprehensive about putting a date on it at this time i'm still optimistic i really am i do think the majority of the country will be in the quote-unquote green you know counties and stuff like that which is i think um, we may not be by then though so you I, may have I to travel I, quite a distance I, we, to see it we are supposed to our county is supposed to be in green in the middle of june that's the timeline so far. It could be pushed back, but I definitely believe towards the end of July it will be. And also, two months' time, all these companies, all these theaters should easily have their own plans on how they're going to construct movie going from now on. And I don't think it's going to be that challenging. Sure. They're just going to have to accept the fact that they're going to be filling in the theaters half full. I'm going to need you to do me a favor. I'm going to need you to hold your hands out. I'm gonna, and then I need you to shit in one hand and hope in the other, and you tell me which one fills up first. <laughs> All right, man. Nice. Let's, let's head over. Let's get into our news. to the news me and jay just got a couple quick news stories to rattle off before we get into the big news that dropped last week right after we were done recording as it always tends to happen so first news story it appears that star wars fans and slash film believe that they have sussed out just who timothy oliphant will be playing in the mandalorian season two the character's name is cobb vanth and he first appeared in the star wars novel aftermath and uh he is a sheriff of a tatooine settlement that is known as freetown so he takes it upon himself to become the sheriff and he is protecting freetown from the power vacuum of criminals that was created after the death of jabba the hut mm. but he has has an ace up his sleeve as Timothy Oliphant playing a sheriff always does. Just look at Justified if you're uh, <laughs> if you need a better example. He uh, has the armor of Boba Fett and he wears it. It is acid worn. It is tarnished, but it is the armor of Bo- it is the armor of Boba Fett and he wears it. And that's who apparently Star Wars fans and slash film uh, are saying is going to be the character played by Timothy Oliphant. Now I. Fine. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I yeah. want him to be more of like a roguish type character, but uh, you know, there's some depth to be played with with a man that has too much power in one small town. Again, let's just look at Justified for an example. <laughs> I, I I trust. I trust it. I just trust it. I really do. Yeah. I think I think he's a great actor. I think he can do a lot. 
Um, it's not the ideal casting that we were hoping for per se, but um, why not? Yeah, let him stretch his wings out. You know, absolutely. So I mean, what? Look, whatever. I it, this and this isn't even confirmed anything. This is literally just uh, just some people saying like this is a likely candidate for who he is. So nothing is confirmed about who he is playing. Next news story. All right, Jay, get excited because producer Frank Marshall says he wants to do more Bourne movies in that franchise. But the caveat is, Jay, he wants to restart the entire film series with new actors and a new filmmaker. What do you make of that as a Bourne fan, buddy? Mm-hmm. Too soon. Too I soon. I think it I, I think first off like they're they're obviously looking for another franchise that's like action packed and stuff like that. I think they're looking over at the fact that there are two Mission Impossible movies that have been greenlit and they're going to be filmed back to back and you know as as we know Hollywood does studio to studio, they need to have an answer for what the other studio has. For every MCU, you have to have a, a DCEU. Now, uh they they want to do more Bourne movies. I don't know, man. Do like first off I like the Bourne movies and from what I was reading here about this, they're not looking for the quiet spy thriller that had gone on previously. They are looking to kind of amp it up a little bit, a little bit more action packed. Well, Bourne is definitely action packed. I mean, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I definitely Uh, think it is. I, I, you know, more flashy. A uh, little bit, little bit less of like. I mean, obviously, by by going with a new filmmaker, you know, they they want nothing to do with Greengrass anymore on this. Well, Greengrass has that classic shaky cam type neurotic filmmaking right. style, and they're um, looking for something that's a little bit more polished. Okay, okay, yeah, all right. I mean, that's so they're essentially trying to do the whole was that John Krasinski series on Amazon? What the fuck is that called? Uh, Jack John, Ryan. Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. So they're trying to do an extension of Jack Ryan, but a little bit more gruffer, you know, because Jack Ryan obviously is very polished. It's very political espionage type stuff. Um, This one will be a little bit more, a little more gruff and a little bit more singular, you know, because it's, you know, going to be following a character or 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 at least characters in a a certain small little select organization. So um, I'm intrigued. Look, I I will be 100 percent on board with this. I'm just saying. I just want a little bit more. T- and maybe when this finally does come to air, I will be ready for it. So fuck it. Just bring it on. Why not? <laughs> Why, not? Why I mean, not? Just bring it on. Look, it's Frank Marshall. It's right up my wa- alley. If he wants it done, he is like one of the most powerful producers in Hollywood. So if he wants it done, it's going to happen. Sure. Like it, it will happen. So next news story. All right, Jay, there is a petition going around online. This one comes from Star Wars fans. We're about to talk about how powerful petitions can be from fans online. And apparently, fans are petitioning for Make Solo 2 happen. What do you think? Uh, well, what do you know? The, one of the biggest wow. flops of the Star Wars universe was the so fact that... So they're moving on from the Snyder Cut 
to this. <laughs> well, I I don't want to say that it's the same fans. You know, you, you you can never lump anybody into one category and say it's the same people. But yeah, you can say that the internet as as like this this thing. You know, not as like an actual individual or individuals, but just it, it, it has moved on to to its next thing. Yes, uh, but but yeah, apparently make solo two happen. So uh, one of two, I, things- I think it deserves it. I really really do. I so really do. do. I. So do I. I'm also not going to take the internet to, need to shout to, that out, but yeah, I think people need to just uh, reflect, take it back on a you know maybe we'll rewatch it again, uh, realize that it's not that bad, but, but <laughs> it's also, really not that bad. The difference between this and release the Snyder cut is that we're not talking about re-releasing the Lord and Miller cut of of Solo, right? Like, they're talking about make a Solo too. Just, you know, follow up. You left us with a couple cliffhangers there. There's some story threads that we'd like to see tied up. We liked it enough that we would probably go out and pay for a sequel. And <laughs> but it's very different than like, hey, this movie that we got, we didn't like it. Cut it together, make it different, and give it to us again. It's it's very different, the, the, the two different uh, requests of release a Snyder cut and make a Solo 2 happen. But there, there is stuff there. Like, obviously, Solo 2 was not what Disney wanted. While it did make money, as far as blockbusters go, this was a huge failure. They spent so much money doing research shoots after they brought Ron Howard in. Ultimately, I think what we wound up getting was pretty decent. It's nothing fantastic. But then again, neither was most of the sequel trilogy that we got either. So uh, I, I did really like Enrique as Han Solo. I would like to see that again. There are characters in it like Darth Maul that I would like to follow up with. And there's other characters that are out there in the Star Wars universe who could very easily tie into this. Uh, you know, Cassian Andor, Ahsoka Tano, you know, a- any number of characters that are, that are out there uh, during this between... Revenge of the Sith and a New Hope error that we could definitely expand and, and add in there and really flush out the story. Not to mention, don't you want to see what a space pirate Han was? Like uh like you don't you actually want to yeah. see him be like the like, like the criminal smuggler that we we didn't quite get in solo. He was on his way to that. We saw him go on one mission, really. Two, technically. Uh, but like we we didn't get we didn't get the movie uh the early story of Han and Chewie in the Falcon. There's not enough movies about smuggling. <laughs> right. There's a, if I said it once, I've said it a hundred times. There's just not enough movies about just smuggling. Not. There's just not enough. Uh, but I would definitely be interested in seeing this. I think it, it might be worth a look for Disney to say, like, maybe this is a Disney Plus thing, more so than uh, I put it out in the theaters thing. But I think the big problem behind Solo 2 not doing well, not only has to do with the fact that they had very public problems behind the scenes with it but also has to do with the fact that they released it in may around a bunch of other blockbusters where it probably would have done a whole lot better in its december release date where we were all expecting star wars to be yeah uh, i just i just think it was a solid enough movie that had the right intentions and ideas, the execution just didn't quite work. And I think it ha- it deserved a follow-up sequel. I really do. I did say the entire time throughout this film's production, I don't need it. I don't want it. I didn't ask for this. And then when I got it, I was like, I still don't need it. I didn't ask for it. But it wasn't that bad. 
You know, it, it, but it, you also saw like the approach and the angle that they were going for, and I liked it. I did. I liked it. I think it was setting up the right kind of things. I always talk about movies that, like, after rewatching, sometimes like it, it's little problems that bothered you a lot the first time you see it sting a little less, and you you kind of get the focus on the things that you like more and the good aspects of the film. That this happens is one of those a lot movies. more with you. Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know that. This is one of those movies that, like, I after subsequent viewings of it, I'm like, no, I. I like it i mean it's no rogue one but like no i like it b plus sure i'll give it a b plus why not and i think i think like that's that's where i'm at with with it it's nothing fantastic but then again i like i said i sat through the rise of skywalker so next news story all right grab your tits hold your dicks because the biggest news in hollywood this week is not that we want to see a solo two has nothing to do with uh more born identity movies it has everything to do with the fact that released the snyder cut a movement that had started close to two years ago when justice league came out and was reaffirmed at comic-con uh over uh, in 2019 it's now reached its full potential and it's happening the Snyder Cut will of Justice League will be coming to exactly where me and Jay said it should be going to HBO Max. So yeah, and I think it's you know it's the right move. I actually am shocked and surprised that they're going to give him that much time to work on it and thirty million dollars. Oh really? Was that the that was the figure? Holy shit! I believe wow. that that was the figure. Yes, Justice that's a, League. That's a significant amount. Yeah. Justice League Snyder Cut will cost more than thirty million. He's also going to have to do reshoots. However, none of his reshoots will involve the cast. Uh, cast has come forward to say they are excited for this. Uh, Jason yeah, everybody. Momoa and yep. uh, pretty much everyone involved. Finally, the last one to comment on it was Ben Affleck, who said he loves Zack Snyder. He he understood. And, and liked what the direction that he was going with it. He was saddened when it when that when that didn't happen. However, he's a guy doing his job. Blah blah blah. But he's happy to see it finally coming to the screen. So uh, all that all that stuff going on around it. But yeah, thirty million dollars, man, to do to do these reshoots. I'm and, telling and- you, man, HBO is all in with its new Max platform. They're 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 spending so much money this past two weeks. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's coming out in a day or two, and it's just you know, it's 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 got obviously some platform releases, but this one obviously had the biggest splash newsworthy wise, yeah. and it's not coming out until twenty twenty one. So until twenty twenty one, obviously right. people need to be a little patient. Um, it's still confusing because they still had those two other platforms, HBO Now and HBO Go. So. It is confusing because I I have HBO through my cable provider, so I have to use HBO Go. I can't log into HBO now, even though it has all the same stuff on it. Why you it's don't need those just? And one I have app. HBO now because I, I have just the app. Exactly, <laughs> uh, so but then you'll also everything. have HBO Max, which I guess will have everything that the other two have streaming on it and more uh, stuff that they have purchased streaming rights to and everything like that. I do think they have a better launch going for them than say apple tv does oh, or apple or tv is one of the worst it's trash i got um, rid of it 
I got rid of it. I think uh, I'm watching. I'm watching that Chris Evans show where his son for uh, the kid from It. Yeah, is I couldn't bring myself to watch it. I'm it- watching that, and then I'm I'm done with it after that. But to get back to to Justice League, uh, the actor who played Darkseid in the Snyder Cut has been given the green light. He took to Twitter and he announced that he he was the actor behind Darkseid. Darkseid was in Snyder's original cut, and you will see his character in the Snyder Cut. And you know, it's going to be a completely different movie, according to everyone involved with it. So it's amazing uh, to me that it would be that different. You know, I, hey, I, it, you know, but we look. You can you can say that you saw Gus Van Sant's Psycho after you saw after you saw Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Look, and look I know, he, and that's a sh- shot for shot. That's a and, brilliant thing to bring up. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm not going to say another word. Shut your mouth when you're talking to me. So anyway, let's just get into, I guess, like the moral quandary of this a little bit. And and I'm not saying like it's 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 that bad. I'm not against anybody who shouted for the Snyder Cut. I'm not I'm not for I'm not for it really. It's it's coming. And yeah, I'm going to consume it. I'm going to watch it. Uh, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand in anyone's way. And I'm probably not going to, you know get on my soapbox and say like you know sure. i vehemently despise that this is happening no we However, stood we stood our ground we we vividly said that like we never look, cared we're not <laughs> we, don't care. we don't care we don't need this but if it comes out will we watch but, it sure but but what i don't <laughs> like about all this is uh, and you're not on twitter as much as i am but like there is some absolute vitriol hate that comes out of people like Joss Whedon tweets something and all the release the Snyder Cut people jump on him and immediately start it doesn't matter if that's what he was tweeting about at all the topic could be completely innocuous and they will turn it into a release the Snyder Cut thing and start tearing him down for it and you, you know, really can't knock it's not Joss. just there. I mean right. it's not then, it's not like he was in the making for a year and a half in the pre-development of right, trying to make right. a movie. He literally jumped in while it was already going yeah, and, and was, trying to make a movie out of something that he had nothing to do with if, and to begin with. So right. you but really that doesn't matter. Can't That's not how the internet reacts. Him. And I what know, I, don't, I know I'm just what I what I don't like is the rewarding of bad behavior now. It's like you, you, and I'm not oh, saying. Oh, I got. I know what you're saying now. Okay. I'm not saying that everybody right. who who was for released the Snyder Cut is guilty of this bad behavior because they're not. It is a select few. It is a minor few, but because their presence was so loud and so and so damning, you know. Tell me, how do you feel about forty-five-year-old virgins who still live with their parents? Comb the sweet tarts out of your beard, and you're on. Don't try to change me, baby. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. so if these are if these are your vocal representatives and now they're getting what they want it, in a way it's kind of like a little bit of a kick in the dick to me where I'm just like we're rewarding bad behavior if you're loud enough and on the internet and you hurt enough feelings and you and you don't stop and your fire just continues to be fed you'll eventually get what you want anyway. exactly right <laughs> But that's it. I mean, that's that's my soapbox. I, 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 I'm like I'm saying, I, I'm not against this happening. I am against some people that were involved in the movement and their treatment of other people, and that bothers me a little bit um, because the the power of the internet at times it's bullying. It's it it's is childish, it's straight stupid. up bullying, and and I'm I'm not for that. But I I know plenty of 
people that I talk to on on Twitter and stuff who have been, you know, big proponents of getting the Snyder Cut and stuff like that, and they're perfectly fine people to talk to. You know, that they they are not filled with the same venom and hate as the other ones are, and you'll never see them on those threads tearing down anyone else who was involved in the making of it or anything like that. So, um, I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying that there was some involved in it, and it makes it tarnished now, right? Instead of this, instead of this, you know grassroots movement that got this thing done it's now a little bit of of a militant movement that eventually got it done and it's like you know if you want peace get a knife i suppose all right jay final news story all this released this snyder cut shit being coming out now now david ayer steps up on his soapbox the this thing on I know, man. It wouldn't take a whole lot of money for me to do my cut of Suicide Squad. You guys want it? Yeah, crickets. Because I don't think I, I think Suicide Squad's I, so far removed. I do I want it? I don't know. Yeah. I guess I guess since you offered it, sure. <laughs> you know, it's it's like when you go to your grandma's and she's like, you know, would you would, would you like some hard candies? And it's like, not really, but I mean, why not? <laughs> I don't, I don't I mean, like this thing, but I'll take it. I, I guess exactly, exactly. Especially <laughs> it's like it's a quarantine thing. It's like yeah, I guess why yeah. not. I guess why not you know he's like it wouldn't even take that much money i swear like all i need is the original cuts of it and i i could just cut it together and i'll make it so much better for you all and it's and like, I, yeah. I actually believe okay. him. i actually think that so do his I. movie has more of a chance to being good than Zack snyder's movie i really do i really I do. just love it because it's like it's like so humble but like also like he just comes up you know what? Like, because it didn't even seem like a fucking david ayer movie on the coattails of you this can tell can I can I just say it wouldn't it wouldn't be too hard. If y'all want this, maybe you want a little bit of this, you know? Or it's like, no, man, I you know, I I, I want a Porsche, you know? I don't I, I don't want a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> a Porsche. <laughs> but anyway, um I I, I, w- I would totally watch this. And if HBO Max wants to, you know, just fucking like, you know what? <laughs> While the wallet's open. This is like when your sister was going to the mall, Jay, and she'd ask for 20 bucks. And you didn't have anywhere to go, but you still put your hand out anyway, just in case the dollar bill fell in it. And you're like, right. yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll follow this and we'll see if we get a uh, Suicide Squad director's cut from David Ayers. Uh, Warner Brothers may not want that, though, given that the... Suicide Squad is coming out, and this may do something to uh, if people really like this air cut. It, it, that, that that's a possibility and a risk. They may be less interested in seeing what's coming out from James Gunn, the film that's going to ignore this Suicide Squad. So that's gonna do it for our news this week. Coming up because of the news that we just got about the Snyder Cut and David Ayers, you know, humbly asking to Mm -hmm. be allowed to make his, we decided to go dive into a top five. Uh, This top five will be our top five director's cuts, recuts, or alternate endings. I think there's only one alternate ending that I have on there to really discuss. I find most alternate endings don't work as well as the original ending that you get. But hey, these are basically our top five director's cuts. 
Over here on Super Movie Bros, we've got a new sponsor. It is Manscaped. Have you ever been taking a shower, looking down the trunk of your tree, and realizing, you know what, man? It's looking it's looking like I got some weeds growing in, man. <laughs> Gonna have to get out the old weed whacker and take care of that. If you are a Manscaper yourself, why don't you head over to manscaped.com. You can get their lawnmower 3.0 with its anti-cut technology. Very important when you're working down around those balls to not get any cuts on there. Uh, I can't I can't stress how important it is to not cut your sack. So uh, this anti-cut yeah. technology, it 100% works, man. You can use our promo code SMBSHAVE and get free shipping and 20% off your order. If you already have a Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, there are plenty of other products for you to check out. You can get ball toner. This is actually spray cologne. It's for your sack. You know, if you, and I don't know if anyone is like me. It's a me, good quick it, spruce. Yeah, you know? you're right. It's all pick me up. Especially for Jay, you go on a first date, you're nervous as hell, you get a little schwitzy, you don't want her to go down there and smell what your fear sweat smells like all over your sack. You want her to smell the wonderful smelling ball toner. And believe me, it works 100%. It does. I put it on, gone for a run, came back, still fresh as a daisy down around the old sackle area. So head over to manscaped.com. Use our promo code SMBSHAVE Definitely. to get your 20% we off. love it. This time, me and Jay got our top five director's cuts. Now, unlike most top fives where I got a top five, Jay's got a top five, and we're going to be rattling them off. This is a little bit different of a topic, somewhat of like a meteor subject. So we decided to avoid long-winded conversations about differences between original cuts, director's cuts. For 10 films, we decided we're going to cut this down to a combined list. So it's our combined top five director's cuts and i'm gonna get it started off here jay if you don't mind sure all right man my number five director's cut is another Zack snyder director's cut to be honest with you it is batman v superman dawn of justice did you find this bear i've been a little busy this thing this creature seems to feed on energy this thing is from another world my world. I've killed things from other worlds before. She with you? I thought she was with you. So I'm not sure. Are you familiar with this cut? Did you watch this cut? I, I know, never uh, did. You, I always we talked about it, and I was going to watch it at, at your theater, and I never got around to it for some reason. But it was one of those movies that I will revisit one day. And hopefully it will be soon when this quarantine is unlifted and Lauren allows me back into the house, which may or may not <laughs> yeah, ever happen sure. again. May uh, or may not ever happen. You're, you're going to have to get that condo, sir, so we can just start recording there. Uh, but one of the biggest complaints that came out of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice was the fact that there was not a whole lot of 
character development for Superman, or at least what was there, kind of felt stilted, a little bit disjointed, and you really didn't quite understand the character in his own film. Mm. Uh, and there's also this entire Africa subplot that was going on, which really explains a lot of Superman's motivations throughout the film. And the entire Senate scene was a little bit disjointed and felt a little strange this cut goes back in and it adds 30 minutes of subplot context and characters as well where it flushes out jimmy olsen who is the quote-unquote cia agent undercover in africa who is with lois lane so you actually get to hear him named here which then makes it more poignant that jimmy olsen just got fucking capped and right in front of you uh but then also it also adds in lex luther's conversation with steppenwolf which kind of goes forward to explain the mother boxes a little bit and a little bit of Lex Luthor and and his characterization as well. So there's a fair bit that goes on in the 30 extra minutes that actually makes it a better film experience. It is close to three hours, I believe, this cut. It's quite bloated, but what you get is a far better story for it. But, of course, it doesn't get rid of Martha! Why did you say that name? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Only Batman can deliver that line so well. All right, Jay. Why don't you take our number four? Yeah, number four. We have ourselves Once Upon a Time in America. Any problem? No trouble. Good stuff. Yeah, this is man. Sergio Leone. Yeah. Mm. This is your. This is a movie that you watched. I never saw this one. Um, oh man! This is something that I think you should dive into a little bit more. Uh, I've always heard of this, but you know, and I just never got around to seeing it for some reason. I definitely would like to check it out at some point. Obviously, this is something that's you know you you obviously it, adore and appreciate it, it quite a bit. So it's so worth it. So this may be one of the greatest films of the 20th century. It, it may actually be in the top 10 of the 20th century, but it's theatrical cut isn't even worth the weight of the film that it was printed on. So uh, here's what happened. Sergio Leone, this is this is his fucking opus, dude. Like, I mean, we obviously know Sergio Leone is, is famous for spaghetti westerns and all, all of his films with Clint Eastwood and he he was a fantastic director in that right but when it came time to making this film this is the film he poured his heart and his entire soul into making and it finally premiered at the Cannes Film Festival it was 229 minutes it's a crime epic that kind of spans the life of of a criminal and it's intercut between uh present day uh, or or well present day is him in his old age and he's having flashbacks and and looking back upon his life of crime and obviously living the american dream and obtaining that very much like the godfather in that way but it's the way that it intercuts the past and the present and what happened then and influencing what's going on now. And, you know, while it is close to four hours long, the director's cut standing at 229 minutes, it is all absolutely fantastic. It's warranted. And I could almost say there's, there's not really a wasted moment of film in that 229 minutes. When it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival, it was met with a 15-minute standing ovation. And oh, then a good sign. when it came time for its wide distribution, the studio, without Sergio Leone's consent, cut it down to 139 minutes. They cut out 
90 minutes of his movie and it wound up being disjointed, confusing, and ultimately unwatchable. So it stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Leone actually went on to have major depression after this, uh, did not return to filmmaking and passed away in 1989 with this being god that's heartbreaking he knew of his movie and then lo and behold they dvd comes around and they're like hey here's sergio leone's four-hour cut and when people saw it they were absolutely amazed if you've never seen once upon a time in america it's definitely worth your time if you could sit through the irishman Look, th- this makes the Irishman look like fucking Muppet babies, dude. It's wow. it's so good. It's so good. Anyway. All right, Jay. Um, well, then, since this one wasn't much of, of one that you could talk about, why don't you take number three? Well, Blade Runner, the final cut. The report would be routine retirement of a replicant, which didn't make me feel any better about shooting a woman in the back. There it was again. Feeling. In myself for her right i mean seven cuts of this film exist we're focusing on the final cut it'll never happen again dave dave this will never happen no. in film so, again probably this many different we, cuts when we say seven cuts there's so first off there's there's the theatrical cut which we all know had the voiceover and the happy ending and everything like that but then there was the international cut which was a little bit more violent a little bit more grim and stuff like that uh those two cuts came out simultaneously so technically they both well, kind of for are a long like time a that used to cut. be normal that there, there yeah, used to always be um, a lot of times a an international cut and a U.S. cut. That was very normal up until probably the last right. 10 to 15 years. And uh, then there's like there, there, there's like the TV cut. And then finally, we, so, so that's three cuts right there. And then we get into to various other cuts. But the final ones come down to like the director's cut, which was actually done without Ridley Scott. And then mm-hmm. we get Ridley Scott's involvement for the final cut. Yes, finally. And, and I mean, what this? What does this add? What is this? What does this? Uh, well, you know, I mean, mean for it. What, what it really does is it just flushes out everything in a more wholesome way, in a more of a, a proper. What what this world really needed? It needed a little bit more flair. It needed a little bit more of that violence added to it. Right. Some, it makes it more of a noir. Far more and of a noir. Exactly. Because it, it really, yeah. when it comes down to it, it was a proper noir with without needing the voiceover so it takes out the voiceover right takes out the it happy takes ending. away the fucking happy en- bullshit happy ending it makes it a perfect ambiguous note that it was just perfect it was it was the perfect. unicorn the it unicorn leaves you on the-, the elevator closing boom credits mm-hmm. loved it it also goes in and adds the unicorn dream sequence which proves that that deckard is a replicant and uh, while filming 2049, Denis Villeneuve said this is his favorite cut, even though he has fond memories of the theatrical cut. When he, he-, he did. He did say that. He, you're right. He did say that. He was a defender. No, I mean, he just because he just knew that it was his first impression. And I understand that. I respect that. It's like one of those things like, well, okay, well, you love that movie too because that was your first moment with this and you still liked it. You still loved it. But this is improved upon and you appreciate this way more because it's a better movie. 
It's not. Oh, it's yeah. not. It's not the theatrical cut whatsoever, and obviously it has its fans, um, and, or you can you know appreciate it to some degree per, per se. But without a doubt, this is the only proper cut. It's the final cut. It, it is, and it's the only cut that we'll ever need to see. I mean, in in my mind, I'm never going back, and I'm never watching. There's the no reason cut. to. Right, un, un, unless like for some reason, like you're doing I was yourself in, a disservice. Like, Right. Unless I was in like an editing, uh, f- film editing course, and it's like, right. and then we go back and we watch like what, what's, what's the art of possible with film editing? Right. Uh, this, this is the art of possible with film editing. Anyway, Jr. Number two. Yeah. Superman two, the Richard Donner cut. Father, if you can hear me, I failed. I failed you, I failed myself, and all humanity. I've traded my birthright for a life of submission in a world that's now ruled by your enemies. There's nobody left to help them now. People of the world, not since I... Listen carefully, my son, or we shall never speak again. If you hear me now, then you have made use of the only means left to you, the crystal source through which our communication has begun. The circle is now complete. You have made a dreadful mistake, Kalel. Famous story, Richard Donner, while filming Superman 1, Superman 2 was greenlit. He filmed up, he filmed some scenes mm-hmm. for Superman 2 while filming it. Um, reports vary between 60% of Superman 2 was filmed by Donner, 40% filmed by Lester, 80-20, 50-50, all this other stuff. It, it's it, it's hearsay. We're, we're never really sure how much of Donner's cut was filmed until we got the Richard Donner cut, which came out, I believe, in 2006 or 2007. Uh, They had enough of Richard Donner's footage as well as some test footage, some extra footage of Marlon Brando, and they were able to recut a lot of Lester's footage to take out more campy aspects of it, like a flying cellophane (laughs) S that flies off his chest Uh and wraps Ursa up, and you're like, I don't even know if Superman could do that. It's like, well, he can now. Also, there was like telekinesis and stuff, all this stuff that made no sense because Warner Brothers at the time wanted to amp up that cheese factor they really enjoyed the 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 cheesy and campiness of the first one or at least those aspects of the film and they thought that that's what went towards making it so popular when donner's big thing was like that's not what made it popular my superman's what made it popular you know the, the this this version of clark kent that i'm presenting to you that is more human than any human you've ever seen mm-hmm. and he's the better version of it like that's what people are gravitating to difference of opinions donner gets fired lester comes in does everything that that studio wants and we get cellophane s's and zod's face on mount rushmore and it's all played for grins uh richard donner finally gets to come in do his cut it's got a different opening it's got a different ending it focuses on the characters more it is a little bit of a darker tale it it, it definitely you know has 
Superman having more of of how how would you say it? like moral quandaries about about himself and what and, and and what he has to do? Yeah, you know, I mean, like more character focused. Exactly, it's far more character focused. And now these, you know, he he takes away his powers, and then Zod and them show up, and you know, it, is that really his responsibility? Much like uh, Spider Man Two, Spider Man No More, great power comes great responsibility. Sometimes you just don't want to be that responsible, and if you're Superman, you got to hang up the cape every now and then. And of course, he wants to love Lois, and that's what Donner's cut focuses on it is the only cut that you really need to watch it does have its detractors there are fans of of superman 2 the you know lester's cut the original theatrical cut i don't have any issues with that movie it is what it is it it is cheesy it is campy and i do i do get a kick out of it but seeing this and seeing what donner had in mind i think this would have been a better direction because lester got to direct superman 3 and it was terrible it just wasn't good (laughs) and it eventually got sold off to canon films for superman 4 quest for peace uh (laughs) One of the things that really got like the ball rolling on this, though, I believe, was this was when Superman Returns was coming out, and Brian Singer was saying, like, no, this is a sequel to Donner's Superman. Sure. This is not have anything this to do cut. with... Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and this cut. So, this kind of got like... The, that that kind of got the ball rolling and really put some juice behind this one to get it out there and some popularity. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth your time. All right, Jay, before we get to number one why don't you rattle off a few honorable mentions for us apocalypse now redo 49 minutes edition and it actually had two newest scenes that kind of turned a war drama into this like true piece of surreal filmmaking definitely and really just packed the punch and made it one of a kind made of its own and I'm not surprised that this, you know, anything with Terrence Malick or anything with uh, Francis Coppola, like all those old great, you know, even like, you know, even Scorsese right now. Yeah, for sure. All these great guys, they make like six hour long movies. They really do. They still make these epic long movies and they still cut them, cut them, and cut them, and cut them. And it's just unbelievable that they're even still able to make a good movie after all that. <laughs> it, it really is. And it does, again, show the power of editing. Now, with the redo version of Apocalypse Now, it's it's a little bit more unique than some of the other versions. Like, first off, a lot of the reason this stuff was cut out was because of budget. Uh, they, they went well over schedule. Uh, and it, this really wanted to. To go in and add it now it's this is while i think it's the superior version there are others who do think that the theatrical cut is the is the superior version that this cut is far too bloated far too surreal and definitely gets into the head of of the main characters a little bit too much but but when when it's based off this source material it surreal is kind of like the only way you could really describe it but what makes this cut unique is that not only did they go back and they added uh, a lot of these scenes at in, back into it they also went back and completely recolorized the entire film mm-hmm. so that actually caused them to have to go to the original print for the recolorizing of it and this is the only print that now exists the original print is gone 
it's no more. It has ceased to be. So the original print is now the redo print, which is interesting because in all these other cases, we're dealing with a little bit of digital editing and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's really the only time that they've gone in and completely erased what had been done before. Well, and it just goes to show how fragile film really is. was slash is. Right. But you know, you know, it's it's really hard to you have to have a lot of clout and a lot of weight to actually be able to get approved to make a movie on film nowadays. When you're Francis Ford Coppola, you got that clout. <laughs> you can go back well, in sure, and do whatever sure. you want. But also on top of that, it garnered a new score as well. Another honorable mention, this one's very short, Lord of the Rings Extended Editions. I always say like, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> I mean, I, I, do, I do like the Extended Edition of Two Towers. Uh, it, it does flush out a lot of the characters. Gives you a lot more weight in that final fight as well but you know lord of the rings extended editions for fans of that series these are the only ones to watch if you got 15 hours on your hands yeah kingdom of heaven director's cut i am a big fan and defender of this film uh ridley scott i think this is a underappreciated film of his orlando bloom evergreen uh liam neeson uh there's just a great great ensemble cast and it's just beautifully shot the man who refused to show his face edward norton yes yes thank you and um you know there's just more moments more character moments just fleshes it out it just paces the story overall as a a whole a lot better and it adds a lot more action a lot more great action that they did and it's always a plus for a movie in this kind of style and this kind of you know this kind of way but jay what's the only Um, reason that makes it better for me gore it's it's the gore baby i fucking absolutely guts pouring out of the armor there is dude it's fucking so much more visceral and i love it like you're gonna give me a sword and sandals movie you better make it that's a proper ridley scott yeah exactly you you better make it visceral (laughs) another honorable mention empire strikes back special edition probably the only time you're gonna see me say that a special edition i'm not gonna say it improved the movie but it didn't hurt the movie. Whereas I look at the other special editions, uh, A New Hope and the added Jabba scene, ugh, to this day, it makes my makes my blood boil when I look at it. I'm just like, it just looks so bad. Why haven't we fixed that? Why haven't we done this better at this point? But anyway, uh, that I think hurt it. And then, you know, the the, the different songs that, that are in Return of the Jedi and the addition of Hayden Christensen, I think that those ultimately hurt that that film. But in the Empire Strikes Back special edition, what they do, they, they up the effects, they make cloud city more open and you can see outside of it in the in the clouds and 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 the sprawling landscape and stuff like that uh and and they also went in and it really they just made it more visually pleasing and it fits better within the star wars universe that it's more opened up and there really wasn't much added there's some things added in the background but none of the content was changed too majorly that went on to hurt it so that's why that is here and jay we got our final one uh honorable mention why don't you take it daredevil so essentially you know you drop the kind of cheesy love scene you add a little bit of subplot with you know rapper coolio's in there yeah he is we've been living most of our lives living in a gangster's paradise fuck yeah (laughs) fuck yeah and you get like 30 extra minutes of like ramped up violence and just more action and more fun and this is this is a, honestly this is another movie that I actually kind of am a little bit of a defender on. I I did enjoy it this. It grows movie. on you, right? I I don't I don't I don't I, I I always did. I always liked it. I I I knew it was kind of silly and cheesy, but it worked for me. It was so well casted. I liked Colin Farrell with the fucking bald head <laughs> and playing bullseye. I thought you know like I I. 
I just, I ate it up. I liked it. I liked it all. I really, really did. Um, it's not a great movie. I understand that to some degree, but like for whatever it is, it still worked for me, you know, because it is a silly movie. It's a silly, you know, it's Daredevil. I mean, he's working his senses. So it's kind of like a silly premise to begin with. It's not the TV show. I get it. And that's why I love the TV show so much because that is more of really my style and and they actually executed it the way that I think it should have been done or, or my fantasy way to have it done but this way especially at that time I guess it's a nostalgic thing but it worked for me it was fun it was fun movie going it was it was just silly fun movie going experience and I, I dug it and these two are not honorable mentions per se but I believe they're notable for for you to at least check out uh, Troy the the movie Troy with uh, Wolfgang Peterson's movie uh, much like Kingdom of Heaven it flushes out the characters and adds some much needed action and violence yeah, to it definitely. I Am Legend has uh, its alternate ending this is the alternate ending where kind of like the vampiric monster comes down and takes the alpha female and leaves and you're left with will smith's character saying you know i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry because he's realizing that he wasn't just experimenting on monsters on on creatures he was experimenting on on humans or or at least a different version of humanity they had a they they had a complex social structure and he was understanding that and he was it, it it was a big moral question for him in the end which goes back to what the source material was because he wasn't a legend because he was the only man left on earth and blah 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 he was a legend to the creatures that he was killing you know he was the monster in the end and i i i like this ending because it pays homage to that and finally uh robocop director's cut because fuck yeah because that's practically an x rating for gore and violence yes please if you if you haven't seen the robocop uh director's cut you need to let's let's just move this up to number one (laughs) just yeah (laughs) because you know what in the end it's not much of a difference but it it does just go back in and it adds that visceral note that really made robocop stand out and be different for the time that it came out and uh, i think i think that's what makes it notable for you to check out but you could still watch robocop and have a great fucking time with it but number one is one that you and i have discussed on the show several times Mm -hmm. i don't want to speak out of turn but i think you're a defender of this movie much like i am and it is the second time that Zack snyder is appearing on this list it is watchmen directors and ultimate cut you can pick your poison on this i can change almost anything but i can't change human nature she must protect by its new utopia. What's one more body amongst foundations? What are you waiting for? What are the differences? It adds 26 minutes. So the ultimate cut interweaves the tale uh, tale of the black freighter which at that version actually adds another 
I believe it's 30 minutes on top of that 26 minutes added. So you get damn near a four hour long movie when you add in the Black Freighter. But one of the great Mm -hmm. things about reading the comic with the Black Freighter is that the Black Freighter is a tale that kind of coincides with the Watchmen story. It, it, It kind of is an allegory. It's kind of representative of what's going on in the Watchmen story. So it is somewhat important, but the director's cut also adds in the characters who are reading the black, the, the black freighter, uh, the, the, the guy who runs the comic book stand and the kid who's reading it. You can see them in the original cut, but they're at the very end when the giant, just before the giant bomb goes off. Uh, they also added in some scenes of exposition, which some people think makes the, makes the movie feel bloated, but it actually adds to character motivation, and development uh, and they wind up being pretty important in in the end it also adds more Hollis Mason Hollis Mason was the original Night Owl who Patrick Wilson's character pays homage to we also get like the scene where like he's murdering stuff like that uh, that that is also yep. in the theatrical cut but it really flushes out his character and kind of does a little bit of justice for the Minutemen which were the precursor to the Watchmen back in the 1930s and 40s when they're talking about that story uh, ultimately it, it's the at least if you're not going to go for the whole ultimate cut the director's cut is definitely the way to watch this movie it's it is better than the original theatrical cut which does cut out much like bvs a lot of your characters reasons for doing what they do and it, it really explains everyone's viewpoint by the end because you were better informed of who their character was throughout the movie it's essentially proving that snyder just needs to make whatever movie he wants to it's make true and fuck the Ryan time. But it's like you're going to have to suck it up and just deal with the runtime issues and the theater chains. Um, obviously, nobody wants in a theater a four-hour movie because you're probably going to need like an intermission. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it just – it is what it is. We wouldn't have – you know, he the, the fucking studio wouldn't have to give him $30 million to make a – you know, his movie. You know, this is like the kind of example where you need to give – the artists, the proper balance, the proper respect to make the movie that they want to make for better, for the better, for everybody involved. You know, it's ultimately going to be for the best. Or at the very least, if there's going to be cuts made, let them make the cuts. And if you have to give them the money for the reshoots, then you're then you're well, going to have to give them yeah. the money for the reshoots to to make that cut make more sense. Uh, make it make it a proper negotiation. Don't just blank like just rip the film away from them uh look in the end i I think because while i was making this list i didn't even think about it until i was done where i was like huh i put two Zack snyder movies on my on my director's cut list and if you're wondering yes sucker punch is better in its director's cut it's still not great but it's better so there are films that are improved by the director's cuts but i think one of my one of one of the stigmas that comes with a director's cut is the fact that for a long time, at least in like the mid 2000s, everything was like a director's cut, an unrated cut, a this cut, a that cut. You know, come come to our store and buy the DVD here because you will get this ultra super ultimate mega zord cut of the film. And that kind of cheapened these better versions of the film to the point where some people they see a director's cut and they're like, "So what?" The deleted scenes that you thought weren't good enough getting added back in, who cares? In the end, it, it it may be better because it is the director who is doing this cut, if it is a director doing the cut, uh, and it may be the way that that director wanted 
you know, him or her to bring it to you. So that's it, Jay. You got any uh, final comments for anybody? No, I mean, I just think, you know, people should be seeking this out. If there's an option of a movie that has a theatrical cut and a director's cut, choose the director's cut every single time or watch watch you the know, theatrical cut and devote a little bit of time maybe not the same day but in some well, time if you if you're to able watch to the if director's you're able cut. To, yeah. i mean i I sure. do that a lot, um, and obviously, I make the time to do it. I factor it into my into my schedule to be able to do it. Uh, but as you, well, that's part of your yeah, sickness. But as <laughs> as I grow older, it gets harder and harder. It really does. It, it really does. But like when I watched The Abyss, I was like, all right, I got two cuts of the movie here. Uh, um, I'm gonna watch James Cameron's theatrical cut first off, and then I'm gonna watch the director's cut. And the director's cut was more superior. But when I bought it, I bought it as a two disc set and i bought it set out to do that and i didn't do it in one day i i, I waited till the next weekend and i watched it again and i i found things to 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 like there so it's 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 sometimes it might be worth your time to do it but that's gonna do it if there's any other director's cuts that we missed please feel free to reach out to us on social media you can reach me on twitter at super movie pod facebook you can reach me at super movie bros podcast on instagram super movie bros and on twitter j underscore smb and then of course if you would like to give the manscaped lawnmower 3.0 a shot head over to manscaped.com and use our promo code smb shave and then of course if you're enjoying the show we ask that you please leave us a five star review if you're not enjoying the show you don't have to leave us anything that's fine just don't listen to us again i don't care but if you are enjoying it this is your second third fourth episode whatever uh consider leaving us a review uh, because we will be reading it on the show. And thank you very much. And if, and if you're really enjoying the show, head over to patreon.com slash Podcast. There, you can get all the additional content that me and Jay produce you for just $1 a month. You will have access to all the additional episodes that we post over there. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Have a great one. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.